0: If you will please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we are back in in this new year in our sermon series and our study of the Sermon on the Mount and what kingdom living is and means for God's people. And we will be moving through these three chapters uh, for the beginning of this year. Matthew chapter 5. Our passage of study this morning is verses 31 and 32. These are the words of our Lord. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Let's pray. Father, admittedly, this is a very difficult passage. Difficult for me to preach, difficult for us to hear. Lord, difficult for us to apply in the fallen world that we live in. And so, Father, we, we need your help. We pray for your spirit To give us strength, to give us grace, to give us wisdom and insight. Lord, to faithfully follow your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to preach on this this morning. I think my wife heard me say that at least 12 times this week. Um, If you're here visiting with us today, I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry for us faithfully preaching God's Word. We have committed to preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, and this is the passage that is before us. This is, this is God's Word to us. And it has to do with a subject that is very hard for most people, if not all, and that is divorce. I am a child of a divorced family. I've had several siblings divorced, many aunts and uncles divorced, I've seen the brokenness, the heartache, the trouble of divorce. And I know many of you are in that same family. Divorce has dramatically influenced and changed my life. And unfortunately, divorce has become a part of our society and it has affected most of us. And so we come now to this passage, a passage I don't necessarily want to begin our new year preaching on. Yet Christ calls us to know and to understand his word. And in his most famous sermon that was written and recorded for us here, the Sermon on the Mount, he took the time to address this teaching. And again, admittedly, our natural human tendency is to look for passages, look for scripture that is encouraging and uplifting to us and to Ignore the other ones, but if I were to skip over this passage, we would be neglecting the teaching of God's Word, and when we don't understand the full counsel of God's Word, then we lose balance in the Christian life, and so we must know and understand. That's why we believe in expositional preaching here at Cornerstone. We're going to go verse by verse, and the topic of the subject that God has for us in His Word, that is what we will cover. And so we come now and we begin to think of things like divorce, separation, abandonment, remarriage, all these things are part of the sinful world that we live in. And it raises many questions, how are we, how are we to, to think biblically about these things? What is the, the Christ-like position that we are to take on Divorce. Well, here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, we have the third of six examples or six metaphors, six teachings that our Lord uh, teaches us where he more fully explains what he said to us earlier in verse 17. If you look there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And here he's given the third example that we have studied here on how he is going to make the law more full. Jesus is now giving his disciples further teaching on the law by way of examples to show how the, the gospel does not negate the law. Rather, the gospel magnifies the law, strengthens the law, gives it greater authority. And Jesus is showing his followers how the law, it instructs our hearts, the law guides us on the path of righteousness. And for disciples today, for us, understanding the role of the law in the Christian life is one of the most crucial issues of our time. So we must study it. We must heed the words of our Lord Jesus. Jesus cares about the law. The law has a great place in the life of a Christian. And here he's going to show us that there is much more to marriage and divorce than is on the surface. There is much more to marriage and divorce than what just the teachers of the law were saying. God's word has a much more fuller meaning. This third example on divorce is the shortest of the six examples that the Lord Jesus gives us here on the greater authority of the law. And perhaps it's shorter because later we'll look at in Matthew chapter 19, the Lord Jesus gives fuller teaching on this matter. The Pharisees again came to him and said, hey, wait a minute, explain to me what you meant by that. And he gives us more teaching that we will turn to here later. But these two verses, they are a continuation of the theme that Jesus touched on in the passage before here where we talked about lust and sexual morality, specifically Jesus's application of the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And so he takes that even further to talk about divorce. Divorce is a critical issue, a critical topic for the church. And therefore it's important for us to do as best we can this morning a systematic study of Of what the scriptures teach on divorce we're not going to be able to cover everything but we are definitely going to cover some of the most important things on this topic of divorce so in Matthew chapter 5 our passage here verses 31 to 32 Jesus means to show us how we are to apply the law How we are to love and apply the law specifically to have a biblical view of marriage and divorce. So that is what Jesus means to teach us here. So let's examine this passage really in, in two parts. We're going to look at a distorted view of divorce. And we're going to look at a divine view of divorce. A distorted view and a divine view of divorce. The first is a distorted view of divorce and this came by way in verse 31 of the scribes and Pharisees distorting the teaching of the law of Moses this verse verse 31 where he says it was also said so Jesus is here quoting from the old testament or how the scribes and Pharisees would have quoted or used the old testament whoever divorces his wife let him give her a let him give her a certificate of divorce These words come almost directly from Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. We're not going to turn there because there's a lot to cover this morning and we have the table set before us. But in this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 24, we find the only place in the Old Testament where there are actually statutes given for divorce. This is where we go and find the teaching of Scripture in the Old Testament where where rules and regulations, if you, if you will, were given for divorce. God does mention divorce in other passages, but here we see where it is actually regulated in Deuteronomy chapter 4, 24. But even here in this passage, there is very specific reasons given that a certificate of divorce would be given. And when the certificate of divorce was given, it was not a petty reason. It had a very theological and purposeful reason that Moses gave and taught but apparently during Jesus's day the scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law had had taken great liberality with Moses's teaching to go and basically mean that the divorce could really mean anything you want it to mean and what was even more troubling about their application of the law of Moses is how there was great preference given to men where virtually women and children were neglected and were not taken into account their pain and their suffering that could be caused by a divorce. And the scribes and Pharisees seemed to give the most petty reasons that a divorce could be given. For instance, if your wife was spoiled your dinner, well, she's no good. You can divorce her. And on and on and on, petty reasons given, a, a very gross, distorted view of the law Jesus means to address this. Jesus means to come in and to pierce the hearts of his people and address this distorted view on divorce. So it's important also to understand that in Old Testament Jewish law, anyone who was found guilty of adultery, Leviticus 20 verse 10 says that they shall be stoned to death. So if someone was found guilty of sexual morality or adultery or breaking the marriage vows, they would be killed. They would be punished by death. And so if that's the case, there was really no need to regulate divorce because the marriage would end upon death. Divorce would not be needed. But what we have here, though, as Sinclair Ferguson points out, what the scribes and Pharisees were teaching were whereas the word was being distorted by the religious traditions of man. And so from Moses' teaching on Deuteronomy 24, that was a good law, those were good regulations that had divine purposes for God's people. But that divine purpose was to regulate man's rebellion against God's purpose for marriage, which we will talk about in greater depth here later. But God's covenant purposes of marriage had had reason, had, had purpose, had, had meaning, and it was being distorted. James Montgomery Boyce commenting on this passage in Deuteronomy said, the Mosaic legislation, therefore, was introduced in order to regularize and control a situation that had only become chaotic. So again, apparently, There was divorce on the demand going on at this time for any reason that any man felt like getting a divorce. So the Pharisees were using Moses as a scapegoat to justify their position on frivolous divorce. And again, it was advantageous to men only. And so that's why Jesus only quotes part of what they were teaching because they only took part of the teaching of Moses and said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And not go on and explain the reasons and the meaning behind that. And Jesus taught, and certainly Moses taught as well, that marriage is not just something you can walk away from. Marriage is not just something you can walk in and out of at will. That is not God's will for marriage. Moses never commanded anyone to divorce. He never commanded anyone wanted to divorce. Yet the scribes and Pharisees made it sound as though Moses justified their position that they could get divorced for whatever reason they wished. And then it's easy to go. Those rascals, those Pharisees, they always are getting it wrong. And that's just what we've done. If we look at our own hearts. If we look at our own lives and our own thoughts on these things, our culture and our society is built upon laws that allow marriage to be treated haphazardly and regarded as nothing more than a a commodity. And if we're not satisfied with this commodity, then we'll just go and exchange it and take it back for something else. That's the way divorce is treated, marriage is treated. Furthermore, in our own hearts, we are just like the Pharisees, We take the clear teaching of God's word and we twist it to say exactly what we want it to say. And so it goes something like this. God wants me to be happy. Therefore, for me to be happy, I have to get a divorce. Right? Brothers and sisters, I must warn you this morning, and this is going to sound extremely insensitive God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be faithful. God calls us to be faithful. And then when we are faithful, we have the true joy of the Lord. We have the happiness that we seek. God calls us to be faithful. I I don't want to treat this lightly. I don't want to be insensitive because Nobody fully understands the devastation, the impact of divorce, unless you've experienced it as a child, as a brother or sister, or as a husband, as a wife. And there are exceptions in God's word given for divorce. And Jesus specifically addresses these, and we will get into those in a moment. But we must see that there is a distorted view. The scribes and the Pharisees, even from our own hearts and society, on what the clear biblical teaching of marriage and divorce is. And so that gets us into the divine view. Verse 32, Jesus says, But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. There goes Jesus again, meddling taking the matter to a whole nother level, to a heart matter. It's a matter of the heart to Jesus. Again, Jesus goes after our hearts with his interpretation. Jesus rejects an interpretation of the law of Moses that is distorted for man's self-interest only because the law of God must and does penetrate our hearts. And that is why he says very authoritatively, but I say to you, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the King of Kings. He's the spoken word of God. And now he can issue a command with authority and with rank. And he's not replacing the biblical teaching on marriage and divorce, but he is showing how it is to be properly understood. Jesus does not does state, Jesus does state clearly, that one biblical reason for divorce that he says in this passage is sexual immorality. Or other translations may say marital unfaithfulness. That's the exception that he gives here. The word here for sexual immorality or marital unfaithfulness in Greek is pornea. And here it would mean adultery. It would mean unfaithfulness to the marriage. Yes, pornea and unfaithfulness in marriage, it does does permit divorce according to Jesus. Hear what I'm saying very clearly. Jesus does permit divorce due to marital unfaithfulness, but he does not require it. It is not commanded by Jesus. Here or anywhere else in Scripture is it commanded to get a divorce. Even even a marriage, almost utterly destroyed by unfaithfulness and adultery, can be healed by the mercy of God. I believe that with my whole heart, and I've seen it. And I believe that is what our Lord Jesus would want us to see. I have the the joy and the privilege to do premarital counseling. Joy and a privilege. We have three young families, young couples in our church getting married this summer. And I have the same mantra that I tell every Couple that I've done premarital counseling for. And when we are studying God's word on marriage, we turn to a very important passage in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Most people want to go to Ephesians chapter 5 to study marriage, but I think Ephesians chapter 4 has just as much, if not more, to say about marriage. In Ephesians 4 32, The Word of God says that we are to forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us. And so what I tell these couples is that adultery, unfaithfulness in marriage, cheating, any of those things, it's bad. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's sinful. It's evil. It's awful. It's all of those adjectives that we can think of. But, if we really believe what God's word says, if we really believe in the gospel, then we can forgive each other of anything. Just as in Christ forgave you of everything. And I ask these couples to hold on to that promise that we can forgive each other of anything because in Christ we have been forgiven. We talked about how rampant divorce was in Moses' day, but according to the Jewish law at the time of the New Testament, the law seemed to almost, according to the scribes and Pharisees, require divorce. but Jesus here seems only to just permit it, not require it. Uh, One great scholar, D.A. Carson, states that Jesus' ideal is clearly lifelong allegiance in marriage as God had originally created and designed it. So according to Jesus, Deuteronomy chapter 24, where we see the Old Testament statutes of divorce, if we properly understand that, that meant divorce was really only permissible in the case of... Where a bri- where a, a bridegroom was deceived, because upon consummation of the marriage, the groom discovered that his wife was not a virgin. And therefore, this was a very narrow reason that divorce was permitted. The divorce was allowed. And so that is what Jesus reinforces here in verse. 32. But turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, and you're welcome here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church to turn on your screen as well. I love to look out there and look at the glow. It just better not be Facebook. It better be the ESV app. Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, Jesus gives us further teaching here. He says... And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? You see, they're trying to justify their position here. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And marries another, commits adultery. There Jesus goes again, raising the bar high on the commandment, Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's very important in interpreting and applying the the teaching from Matthew chapter 5 with Matthew chapter 19 because it gives us further explanation and teaching on Jesus' views of divorce here. And he's emphasizing, look at what Jesus is doing. He's emphasizing the biblical definition of marriage. So I'm not just going to beat you over the head with divorce this morning because we have to look at God's beautiful design for a man and a woman, and for a husband and wife, and that is marriage. Jesus teaches God's plan for marriage. And at the heart of Jesus' teaching is that marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. Specifically and especially Christian Marriage. For a Christian, marriage is not just a civil contract. It is a covenant. It is a relationship in which two people become, as the scripture teaches, one flesh. They become one. If you were to attend one of my weddings that I perform, that I officiate, you're going to hear these very exact words. Marriage is a covenant instituted by God, regulated by his commandments And blessed by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us therefore reverently remember that God has established and sanctified marriage for the welfare and happiness of mankind. Marriage is permanent, it is of God. Mankind is not to disannul or invalidate a covenant marriage. Marriage is a lifelong promise, a, a contract that a man and woman enter into a lifelong relationship where promises are made between God and the witnesses present. And those promises go something like this, to be, to be lovingly faithful in sickness and in health, in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, as long as both parties shall live, that is, until death separates or ends the marriage that is God's ideal even after the fall of man we have that perfect marriage ceremony in Genesis chapter 2 between Adam and Eve and all is well and then people think well then after that though things got really messed up and so God had to allow divorce but even after the fall God does not tolerate divorce we read this morning in our scripture reading, Malachi chapter 2, where divorce was so rampant that the people had become so hard-hearted that God wouldn't even hear their prayers. And in Mal- Malachi 2.16, we read that well-known statement, God hates divorce. And in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus teaches us that it was because of the hardness of their hearts Because of the sinfulness of your hearts, Jesus says, that Moses gave this concession on divorce. But God does not advocate divorce or command anyone divorce. He hates divorce. And in a sense, Jesus says, yes, Moses permitted divorce, but the Messiah prohibits it. Divorce is not God's design for marriage, even though it is permitted in cases of infidelity. Another biblical reason is desertion. According to the teaching of Scripture and according to our doctrinal standards of our church, which some of those are printed for you in the bulletin on the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 24, that the biblical reasons given for divorce are adultery and desertion. Desertion is not something that Jesus mentions in in Matthew's Gospel, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul mentions that separation or desertion, where a spouse literally leaves, takes off, abandons the relationship, divorce is permitted. And I would invite you to read the Confession of Faith that are printed in your bulletin that espouses this teaching more fully and explains our doctrinal position. But a few final thoughts on marriage and divorce. For those of you who are married, and for those of you who want to be married, cultivate your marriage. If you've ever tried gardening, you realize it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of care, a lot of nurture. (laughs) So does a marriage. Study marriage. Love your spouse. Remove anything from your marriage that might destroy the relationship, because marriage is a, is a blessing, is a wonderful gift of God, but it, it must be approved, improved upon for a lifetime. It must be grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the surefire way to prevent divorce, to be grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ in your marriage, even though we have given reasons for divorce this morning adultery and desertion remember these reasons are not commanded because we can forgive we can seek restoration in these matters also take heed that these grounds given to divorce are they're never to be sought by your own conclusion if you have a troubled marriage, you should seek the counsel of the church. If you've made covenant vows to this church or any church, it is your responsibility, it is your oath that you took to seek the counsel of the elders. Because we are not to play fast and loose with God's word on this very important matter. So go to the elders. Seek counsel. Seek shepherding if, if your marriage is in trouble let, let the church serve you let the elders shepherd you please don't come to us when it's too late please don't come to my office and say i just wanted to let you know i'm getting a divorce please don't do that come and, and talk to us we want to help you we want to serve you that's what the church is for that is what god has founded it for But also, at least we look at this teaching on divorce and say, Not me. (laughs) Not me, Lord. I've never been divorced. (laughs) This doesn't apply to me. We have to step back and see the biblical call to faithfulness as believers. Frequently in Scripture, divorce is used as a metaphor for spiritual unfaithfulness especially between Yahweh and Israel. And that's just it. We are spiritual adulterers. We have sought to separate or divorce God by our unfaithfulness to him. But praise him. Praise him for his faithfulness and his love that will not let us go, even when we are spiritual adulterers. James Montgomery Boyce said this. He said in all other cases of divorce and in this one also, according to Jesus, if a man acts as God would want him to act, the standard of marriage is total fidelity and this regardless of the actions of other, the other partner. In other words, the standard for God's people is to be the love is to be the love of God for Israel, which is a love in spite of infidelity, or the love of Christ for his church which is the love of one who loves us in spite of our unfaithfulness and our running away. That's the love of our God. And that is what this meal means this morning that is set before us. Communion. Communion with God. It is his commitment to us and not our commitment to him. And that's what a marriage must be found on, right? It has to be rooted and founded and the love and purposes of God. God's design for our happiness is faithfulness in marriage, and so we must follow the teaching of His Word. It's also important for us to note because adultery and infidelity in marriage has touched so many of us, and maybe I could even say every one of us in some way through family or friends. They are not unforgivable sins. They're not unforgivable sins. No one should feel that they can send themselves out of God's kingdom or out of his will. If you do, though, find yourselves outside of God's will for marriage, then repent. See the danger of your sin and then cast yourself at the foot of the cross that was sang for us during the offertory. And hear Jesus' word of forgiveness and hear him say, go and sin no more. And so may the Lord God help us. May he help us to be faithful to our spouses. Or if you want to get married one day, may he help us to be faithful for your spouse one day. Or if you're single, that God would help you to be faithful to him, the lover of your soul let's pray our father we again freely confess to you and admit that this is hard teaching and we want to be just like the pharisees we want to we want to twist and distort and we want to make this okay for our lives or for our situation the lord help us not to get caught up in the in the nitty-gritty here, Lord, help us to see the true teaching of our Lord Jesus, and that is marriage is a covenant. Marriage is wonderful. Marriage is beautiful. Marriage has a wonderful, God-glorifying purpose for our lives. Lord, help us to teach our children to love and respect and honor marriage and to hate divorce as you do. But Father, even when the fallenness and brokenness is around us, and even when we see it, when, even when it's hitting us squarely in the face. Help us to see and help us to teach the love and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he paid it all on the cross. Help us, we pray, in his name. Amen.